From the campus of the Southern California University of Health Sciences, welcome DNA Dan, a podcast on genetics, genomics, and the future of genomic medicine. Our host, Professor Dan Handley, will immerse you in the fascinating world of DNA and genomic medicine. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Hi, this is Dr. Dan Handley, Professor of Genetics and Genomics at Southern California University of Health Sciences. In the next several episodes, I will be discussing how the principles of inheritance were discovered and how the work of many people spending well over a century contributed to the discovery of DNA and its structure. These discoveries were crucial to what has over the past several decades culminated in a veritable revolution in genomics and genomics-based healthcare. Let's start at the very beginning. Since prehistoric times, people have noticed how children tend to resemble their parents and grandparents. Hair, skin, eye color, and physical appearance generally seem to run in families. People also recognize that some human diseases tended to run in families as well. A prominent example in the 19th and 20th centuries is the high prevalence of an otherwise rare bleeding disorder called hemophilia in European royal families. People in these families tended to marry within their own royal classes. Many male children of those with hemophilia manifested the condition. This strongly suggested that the condition is inherited in some manner. By the way, the reason males were mostly affected is because the mutated gene responsible for this type of hemophilia resides on the X chromosome. Women can be unaffected carriers, but males are almost exclusively the ones affected. The explanation is a little involved, so I'll leave that for another episode. Now, not only did traits seem to be inherited in people, but physical and even animal behavioral traits seem to have some degree of inheritance from generation to generation. Thousands of years ago, some people began to use this idea to selectively breed both crops and animals. For instance, wild wheat from millennia ago bears very little resemblance to modern wheat. It looked like a scraggly thin grass with tiny seeds. While edible, it took a lot of work to harvest enough to make a meal. Some people learned to take the plants that produced the largest seeds and crossbreed them together. Over many generations, the plants were growing larger kernels, eventually large enough to harvest bushels of grain per acre. In a similar way, about 9,000 years ago in Mexico, another type of grain was selectively bred to produce maize, or modern corn. About 10 to 20,000 years ago, um, there's considerable debate about exactly when, people domesticated wild dogs. Again, through selective breeding, dogs were deliberately bred for particular physical and behavioral characteristics, such as for hunting, warning, scent following, and companionship. Many, if not all, modern farm animals were domesticated from wild animals through selective breeding and bear little resemblance to their ancestors. For instance, thousands of years ago, there were no such thing as cows. Cows were domesticated from large animals known as aurochs. Interestingly, the ancient cave paintings in places like Lascaux, France, estimated to be about 17,000 years old, depict aurochs, not modern cattle. Despite ancient people all over the world having an intuitive idea of the nature of inheritance, knowledge with which they put to practical use, they did not understand the exact mechanisms of inheritance, let alone its molecular basis. 
it was nearly about 200 years ago, quite likely influenced by the scientific revolution, that a few inquisitive people began asking rigorous questions about the nature of inheritance. In 1837, sheep breeder Abbot Cyril Knapp began asking specific questions about the nature of heredity. What traits are inherited? How are they inherited? What is the role of chance in heredity? These questions intrigued Gregor Mendel. As both an Augustinian friar and a scientist, he decided to begin formal experiments to try to answer these questions. Mendel decided to use pea plants for his experiments. They grew fast, so many generations could easily be studied within a reasonable time. And the flowers were shaped so that he could control their fertilization easily. In this way, he could control inbreeding and crossbreeding of his plants. When he performed statistical analyses on the results of some of his breeding experiments, he showed that when a plant that only produced yellow peas was crossbred with a plant that produced only green peas, the offspring always produced yellow peas. But in the next generation, the ratio of green to yellow peas was 1 to 3. He called the green pea trait recessive and the yellow pea trait dominant. Mendel had shown that there was a systematic process of discrete traits whose inheritance ratios could be predicted mathematically. He also provided insight into an observation that some traits seemed to disappear in one generation and reappear in the next. Although Mendel did not know the modern concept of a gene, he did establish a new scientific discipline known as genetics. He published his work in 1866, but it wasn't until about 1900 that his work was rediscovered and built upon by others. Now new questions were raised. What was the substance in cells that carried the heritable trait information? Further, what was the structure of this substance? Mysteries remained to be solved. It was many decades later that deoxyribonucleic acid, or DNA, was shown to be the molecule responsible for inherited traits. We take knowledge of DNA for granted now, but for most of the 20th century, no one knew much about the molecule or what it did, let alone its structure and how it functions as a molecule of heredity. That will be the topic of the next two episodes. This has been a production of the Southern California University of Health Sciences, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. The opinions stated here are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Southern California University of Health Sciences.